My name is Chris Heidenberg. I'm the lead pastor of Found Church. If after the service you're wondering where you can find the current series in its entirety, you can find it online at areyoufound.com or on our Found Church Facebook page. We welcome you into our family and we look forward to the opportunity to connect with you. We would love to see you or, or meet you as soon as we're able to worship together again, hopefully sometime soon, at the middle school at Parkside at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. In the meantime, we pray that this worship experience will help you to find faith in God, find freedom for your soul, and find a love that will transform your life. Thanks for joining us. So the score of the game, is, it's not even close. It's late in the second half, and, and the team that is expected to win, they're, they're up by double digits. My, my favorite sporting event is the NCAA men's basketball tournament. I especially love those games that, where you have the, the 12 rank against the five rank teams going against each other, and the, the four rank team going against the 13 rank, and the three against the 14. Those are my favorite games because, because anything can happen. And yet there's still a favored team. There's still a team that is expected to win because they have the most experience. They have the five-star recruits that everybody was after, but, but those lower-ranked teams, they don't have the five-star recruits. They don't even have the four-star recruits. They have those three-star recruits that, that are still amazing and gifted players, but they're not the ones that, that change the game. The... The, the score is, there's a 19-point lead by the team that everybody is expecting to win. But then there's a stop on one end, on the defensive end. And then the, the, the lower-ranked team, they come down and they drain a three. And, and then the, the five seed, they come down and they, they get a blocked shot on them. And then before you know it, the other team is scoring every time they throw the ball you see there's an energy building in the room there there seems to be a shift happening and 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 now this 19 point lead it, it begins to it begins to dwindle now it's 15 now it's 12 you see there's an atmospheric shift there's a there's a power that's starting to come behind the the favor of the team that nobody expected to win the underdogs now they can't miss, and the other team can't seem to win or can't, can't seem to score. You see, it's this thing that you can't explain, you can't see it, but there's a shift happening. It's this thing that we call momentum. And when momentum is, is in your favor, there's not a whole lot that, that can be done to stop that momentum. So what does the coach from the other team do? He calls a timeout. He calls a timeout. Because that's the only way that you can take the wind out of the sails. That's the only way you can take the energy out of the room. And that's the point. They try to suck the energy out of the team that just can't seem to miss a shot. We're in this series 
called Momentum. And if I'm being honest, many months ago when we, when we started talking around this series, it was almost for a, a different purpose. Because we as a church plant, we, we were doing some pretty cool things. And, and a lot of things were going our way. It seemed as though we had a great deal of momentum going our way. And, and the idea was, is that uh, it kind of even makes me chuckle a little bit now. The idea was, is that we knew we were going to be coming off this, this resolution series, this Easter season series. And, and we knew that we had maybe only about five weeks until everybody just goes out there, out to their vacations and, and to the places that they go in the summer. And, and we didn't want the momentum to be taken out of the church. We didn't want the wind to be taken out of our sails because summer is like the great time out for the church. But, but what makes me chuckle is because now we're looking at three straight months of not even being able to meet. We're looking at 100,000 people now having passed away from this pandemic in our country alone. We're, we're looking at racial tensions at, at an extreme right now where we've witnessed atrocities against the black community. Seems like month after month. See, a lot's taken place in the last few months. And it almost even makes me chuckle to think that we were concerned about the wind being taken out of our sails because of a summer timeout for the church. But you see, when momentum is in your favor, there are no timeouts that can stop you. There are no things that can prevail against the favor of God. The favor of God, it comes in behind the, the call that he puts in front of you. You see, there is a grace for us. There is a grace upon grace for us in the mandate that he calls us to. And he has called us to a mandate. He has put a call to our church. The momentum entered into the, into the world in a strange way on the day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago. Well, actually, it's not quite 2,000 years ago. If you want to do the math, uh, you, can, you can add your little comment in the section below. But I just want to read this. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled, to, enabled them to. You see, in that moment, the church was born. In that moment, God, God began to pour out his power in and through a, a new way. And that's through the church. That's through his bride. That's through the ones that, that he has called to go. And he had, he had said, I'm calling you to go to, to the edges of the earth 
and share this message of the gospel. It says, Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Are not all of these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya near Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, and Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. And amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? What does this mean? The church of Jesus Christ is born. What it means is is that we have been given a call to take this love of Christ to the edges of the earth, to intersect the, the, the ways of this world with the ways of the kingdom of God. The church is called to be set apart from the ways of the world so that it can, that it can bring the ways of God into with the power of God at its back. Since so some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. This always makes me laugh because it was 9 a.m. in the morning. Now, to be fair, I've seen plenty of people drunk at 9 a.m. in the morning, so maybe it's not too far-fetched, but, but it cracks me up when, when Peter speaks up and he addresses the crowd and he says, trust me, we're not drunk. We haven't even been drinking. It's too early for that. It's only 9 in the morning. And then he goes on, to give the very first message, the very first uh, sermon empowered by the Spirit of God. But again, as I said last week, it wasn't as though he spoke with elegance. It wasn't as though he spoke with, with this, this prepared speech that, that could touch all of the different issues of the day. No, he spoke by the power of God. In fact, he spoke the word of God with the power of God over the people with the expectation that God would change hearts. And it says 3,000 people were saved. It says, therefore, let all of Israel be assured that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, And when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. When you get cut to the heart and you believe in Jesus, that's not because of an eloquent speech. It's because God has momentum for you. It's because God is ready to shift the atmosphere of your life. And He is going to transform your life from the ways of this world to the ways of the kingdom. So then that you can turn around and go into the world and speak this message of the gospel. 
And they said after this, what shall we do with this information? We're cut to the heart. We believe in this truth. We believe in this Jesus. And Peter says, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the same gift that I have now. The gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. It says about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And then it goes on and it speaks a little bit um, in the same language of what I, I spoke on a couple of weeks ago. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And this is, this is a really important part. It says all the believers were together and had everything in common. That's a picture of unity. That's a picture of a common union with not only God, but with each other. Because they are coming together under the power of Jesus Christ, under the power of his Spirit. It says, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. That is what I like to call momentum. That's what I like to call the, the favor of God because they were in the mandate that God had sent them, which in that moment was unity. Shortly after talks of Peter healing a crippled beggar, and of course uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they didn't like this at all, so they hauled him off and put him in jail, and, and, um, and, and it said that, he said to them as a witness, he said, you have killed the author of life, the author of true life. And they didn't like that. <laughs> People don't like it when you speak to them about the life of Jesus Christ, about the life that, that he has for you. Because the truth is, is they want that life too but they're just looking to all the wrong things for it. The apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. I'm now in chapter 5, verse 12. It says, And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. That was, that was like, they, they also call it Solomon's porch. It was an area of the temple that, that the general public could meet. And, and they would meet there on a daily basis. You know, they didn't, they didn't reduce church to one hour a week at best. They didn't reduce church to a, a service. They lived it. It was, it was who they were. Every part of their life was, was focused, spending every ounce in, in, of energy seeking after the kingdom, seeking after this Holy Spirit anointing over their lives. And, and as a result, the apostles, they moved in power. No one else 
uh, came to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. It says, nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number daily. And as a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on the beds and mats so just at the, at the least bit, Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by and they would be healed. That is what I like to call favor. That is what I like to call momentum. That is what God has for us. The question is, is are we ready to yield into that? The truth is, is we don't, we don't really comprehend the power of the Holy Spirit. For one, because we don't witness it very often. Why don't we witness it very often? Because A, the church is missing unity in a great sense of that word across the, this nation particularly, but uh, as well as the world. You look to those churches and those areas of the world that are unified, God moves in incredible ways. See, the power of the Holy Spirit is not missing from this world. It's just it's missing from the areas that we see. As a result, we heard that people would bring the, their sick into the street, and as Peter and the apostles would just pass by, just knowing by faith that, that the Holy Spirit is just lighting this place on fire, changing the world through these people, that just as they walk by, their shadow would cast upon them, they would, they would get up from their mats. They would have demons driven out from their lives. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by evil spirits, and all of them were healed. All of the spirits were driven out. Now, it doesn't say most of the people were healed. It doesn't say some of the people were healed. It doesn't say a few of the spirits fled. It says all the people were healed. And I wonder... Are we willing to yield our lives to that? Are we willing to step into the mandate that God has called us to? To, to actually work in the wonders and the miracles of the power of God. I have to believe that the same is true today as it was that day. But you have a group of people at this point well over 3,000 people sold out for the gospel, ready to leave it all on the court, ready to give their entire lives to this thing that they are living in real time, witnessing God move in incredibly powerful ways. And then the high priests, they're ready to call a timeout. You see, the enemy doesn't like it when the power of God has free will to move in my life. He doesn't like it when the power of God and the Spirit, the, through the Holy Spirit has power to move through your life. He's quick to call a timeout. He's, he's quick to, to call a timeout or, or lean into those, those five-star recruits that, that are playing for his team. You know, the, the, the players on his team, they... 
they're this thing called depression. They're this thing called anxiety. It's this, it's this player called uh, religion. It's this center that, that everybody looks for shame. Like these are the players that the, the coach of the other team uses. And it seems like as, as three-star recruits, as ordinary people that don't really have a chance to, to live up to this game, we're the, we're, the, we're the 14 seed playing against the three seed. But you see, when the momentum is in the favor of those of God and the people of God, it doesn't matter what, how many stars are next to those recruits because it says the forces of this world will not prevail against it. And then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy and they arrested the apostles. Time out. Here we go. Things are moving. The momentum is behind this church. The people are, are, are just walking into the doors of this church and giving their lives over to it. Not just part of their lives. They're not just testing the water. They are being baptized in the Holy Spirit, fully immersed in the power of God, ready to go exactly where God calls them. It doesn't matter if where God calls them is risky. It doesn't matter if it means giving up all of their possessions. They are all in. That's the difference between the church of that day and the church of today is when you don't see the power of God moving in the church, you have to ask the question, are we all in? Are we ready to give our entire lives over to this thing? I myself am. And I'm encouraging all of us to be that way as well. They arrested the apostles put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. <laughs> says, here's your mandate. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people the full message of this new life. What's the full message to you? Because the full message, if I'm not mistaken, it means we're walking with the power, the anointing. Because we're walking exactly in the call that Jesus has for us. Doesn't mean it's going to be easy. I'm not suggesting that by any means. In fact, it's more likely going to be increasingly harder. It's more likely going to come with a much greater persecution from the players on the other team from those that say, no, that's, that's not love. That's, that's too easy. Or, or that's not what we're supposed to do. It, we're supposed to, the, the gospel is meant to be offensive. No, the gospel is offensive to the religious. The gospel is offensive to the players on the other team. But the gospel is freedom to those that are ready to give over their lives to a loving God, to a loving Savior to a Savior that wants to empower them to go all in. The full message, if you ask me, it comes with healing. It comes with, it comes with joy. It comes with, with a confidence in 
the storm. It comes with, with a boldness when everything looks to come against you and everybody else would be in fear. It comes with the trust that no matter what the call is, no matter what the mandate on my life is, I'm all in it. I'm not half-hearted in this. I'm not going with what's convenient for me. I'm not, I'm not going because it, it, it will work in my passion. I'm going because God calls me to go. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the, the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers didn't find them there. And so they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we didn't find anyone inside. And on hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests, they were puzzled, wondering what would come of this. You ever wonder in those timeouts that that other team calls, if, if they could even come up with a play that could stop the other team from just lobbing a ball in the air and it just going in. Because when the momentum is at your back, it doesn't seem like you can do wrong. You just throw the ball in the air and it ends up going in. But the thing is, is you have to throw the ball in the air. You have to take the shot. God will, God will allow that thing to go in. And guess what? Even if it bricks off the rim, we got a, a big man down low ready to take it home. My daughter, she played basketball for the first time this year in seventh grade. And, and it, was, it, was, it was such a joy to watch her. I'm so proud of her for, for coming as far as she did. It, she just really got it by the end of the season. But at the beginning of the season, she would get the ball. And, and her first instinct was just to pass it. She could be wide open, 10 feet from the rim, and, and just have her opportunity for that ball to go in, but, but she would just pass it off. She finally got to the point where, where she would actually have the, the trust that even if this thing misses, it's still the right thing to do. The momentum will, of the team will help carry the favor of God, of the team of the early church was was in it so much that they, they just lobbed the ball in the air. But the truth is, is they, they put the ball in the air. You can't score if you don't shoot. You can't win people to the Lord if you don't speak the full measure of the witness, if you don't give them the full message of the gospel. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went to his officers, brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. If only that were true today. Having brought the apostles, they made them appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. But Peter and the other apostles replied, No, you don't understand. This is our mandate. 
This is the call that God has put in front of me to go into the temple courts and preach the full message of the gospel. That message that comes with the anointing of Christ, that message that comes with the momentum and the favor of God. You see, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. But God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are the witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those that obey, to those that answer the call, to those that are ready to go all in. God gives a filling measure of this Spirit of God. He wants to anoint us in that power. He wants to steady our hand. He wants to give us the the precision that we need to accomplish the call that he has for us. The question is, is will you shoot the ball? The question is, is will you trust that God will see the harvest? And when they heard that, when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. Okay, so it's like these these men are are in court being you know judged in front of the Sanhedrin, and and then the guys are like, okay, sidebar, let's 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 have a little side conversation. They exit them out the room, and it says, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Because some time ago, Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. Remember last week we talked what it was like in this world, the ways of this world where it's, we like to jump on those bandwagons. We like to jump on the trends that have been set. You see, this this man, he must have inspired people to something, whatever it was, this, this man Theodos. But you see, he was still working in the ways of the world. And the things of this world, they ultimately lead to failure. They will ultimately lead to death. There is nothing that will satisfy that, that, goal, that God-shaped hole in our hearts. You see, even ultimately the things of this world, because the way that we're wired, you realize we are wired, um, that, 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 uh, that initial high that we have from whatever drug it is, that will always be the best high. And which is why we have this law of diminishing returns, that, that second high is never going to satisfy enough. That next thing that we buy, it's never going to satisfy enough. We have this law of diminishing returns, and the world has, has di- diminishing dividends. It, it cannot satisfy. The only thing that can satisfy is the Holy Spirit that always gains, has, has rewards that will gain and gain and gain. That grace upon grace, that, that eternal knowing of Jesus, that eternal satisfying of Jesus that is meant to fill that diminishing return of our heart. God is the only one who can satisfy that diminishing return. 
And he can change it around so that it becomes everything that we need whenever we need it for whatever we need it for. This man, Theodos, appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. But guess what? He was killed. And all his followers were dispersed. And it all came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean, we're not talking about Judas Iscariot, but Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. This, he, he somehow inspired people to jump on his bandwagon. But guess what? It ended up in his death. And all the others were scattered. Therefore, this priest Gamaliel says, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. Because it doesn't matter what game plan they come up with in that timeout. It doesn't matter what, what play that coach inspires his team to run. When the momentum is not in your favor, when the momentum of, of God is not in your favor, when you're just working in the flesh, the fleshly ways of this world, walking according to the flesh, it's not going to be empowered. In fact, it will just be of human origin. It is not of God. You see, even for found church, for our church, God has given us a mandate to work in. He has put a call on our, on our church to follow, and there is a grace for us there. There is a grace upon grace. You see, we will walk in the favor and the momentum of God. It doesn't matter how many people are in our seats. It doesn't matter what, when we're able to get back there in worship. You see, things are happening because the momentum of God is in our favor. We just got to jump back, shoot the ball, and trust that he's going to align it with the hoop. We have to be all in to his mandate for our church doesn't mean it's going to be easy. The question is, is are you ready to step all in? Are we ready to take this mandate that God has called us to? Not, not just our mission and vision, but to be all in in the church of Found Church. Are we ready to be all in personally, spiritually with God? Are we ready to go all in and yield our lives completely to the wind of the Holy Spirit, to the, to the fire of the Holy Spirit, that fire that burns off the chaff of our lives? Are we ready to go all in and, and drop our sails so that we are empowered to do the thing that God is calling us to do? I'll be honest with you. I don't want to do this if it doesn't come with the power of the Spirit of God. I think it's, if we're just going to do this, this thing of human origin and just slap a spiritual label on it, it's going to fall short. It's going to come up short of the glory of God. And I, for one, do not believe that that is the full witness. That is not the full message of the gospel. 
The full message of the gospel means that we are all in. My full life, my whole life is in so that he can work and live and move and have our being within the power of the Spirit of God. We have to find our joy in the Father. We have to find our peace in the storm. We have to find love in those places that is not easy to love. Because if we just go in and it's not convenient for us, or if it's too risky for us, or if it ends up you know, making us feel less secure, we're not going to go all in if it's just human origin. We have to walk according to the Spirit in our lives. We have to walk in the mandate that God calls us to. Now, as we've spoken in this series, Momentum, it's not necessarily difficult to be lured back to the ways of the world. It's not necessarily hard for us to step back into our flesh. And it's often kind of nice to, to do things that, that seem spiritual but don't have the power of God in them because it's not the mandate He's called us to. Now we're called to go where He determines us to go. That's for you. That's for me. That's for found church. We want to enter into the summer with great momentum. We want to carry through the summer with great momentum, but it's, it's almost comical that that's even where my mind was going with all of this that's happened in the last three months looming prior to that. There's a scripture somewhere in, in the Bible that said God kind of laughs at our plans. I think, I think we like to plan. We like to strategize. We like to go where it makes sense for us to go according to our convenience, according to our comfort. And we like to say, this is where I want to serve. This is what I want to do for the, for the kingdom of God. That's all fine and well, but is that what God is calling you to? My heart for this message is that we would be an entire church so unified to the call that Jesus has put not just on each of our lives personally, but on all of our lives collectively, so that when, when the trouble continues, if the trouble continues, if the ways of the world persist against us, all of those things that, that lead to death, if they continue to persi- persist against us, and the world calls a timeout or the enemy calls a timeout, that we come out of that timeout with that momentum still in our favor, ready to put up the next shot. Not hoping it goes in, but expecting it to. God, we just thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for, for what you want to do in our lives, in our hearts. Lord, I pray today, I pray this on behalf of myself and and in proxy for everyone listening, Lord. I pray 
that you would refine my heart, that you would burn off the, the chaff of this world, that you would take away the, the lures of this world and, the, and the, uh, the strategies of this world, Lord. Just let us go where you send us. Let us walk in the mandate you have for our lives. Let us yield our hearts to you. Not halfway, not partway, Lord, but the whole way so that when we walk in that same power that raised Christ from the dead, that cast out the demons, that healed people as the apostles cast their shadow over them as they just walked by, Lord, Lord, that is the full message of the gospel. That we would bear fruit. That we would walk in love. That we would walk with peace. That we would have a joy about us. No matter the storm around us. No matter the score of the game, Lord. Even if we're down 19 points, we believe that the momentum of God will help us win the game because the truth is, God, No matter what it looks like, we are on the winning team. We are on the winning team. And God, I just thank you that no matter what the enemy does to come against us, to call a timeout on us, to to stall the momentum that has already come in our favor, Lord, we step into it again. And we will shoot the next shot trusting that you will carry it into completion. Lord, teach us how to stay in your mandate for us. Not just to step into it, but to stay in it, Lord. And may the power of God dwell in us richly as a church, as a whole body, a unified body, ready to take your love into this world. Not just a love that makes people feel good, but a love that will transform their heart. Not by eloquent words, eloquent eloquent words, Lord, but by the power of the Spirit of God that rests in them. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Thank you for changing the game. You have been the game changer. You are the one that sent your spirit to us to change the atmosphere, to bring energy into the room, to bring power into the room, to change the outcome of the score, Lord so that there would be no more death, so that we could reconcile the world, so that we could stay in our lane. We love you so much, and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We just want you to know that you are now a part of our Found Church family. And you are always welcome at Found Church. We've been worshiping at the middle school at Parkside at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And we cannot wait until we're able to meet back there again. We would also love to hear how God has touched your heart today. If you feel God speaking into your heart in a fresh new way, or believe God to be revealing a new truth to you, or giving you a higher resolution in which to recognize Him, we would love to talk with you and pray with you. Just message us on Facebook or email us at areyoufound.com. And this is my prayer for you today, that this has raised a hope in your heart 
and helped you to find faith, find freedom, and find the love of God to be overwhelming and real. Be well. God bless.